Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we discuss horror movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I'm Richard, and with me are Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. There will be spoilers ahead on anything that isn't new, and I guess neither one of these are really considered new anymore. Um, but we'll get right to it after we thank the Moonrays for allowing us to use intro creature features from the album The Best of the Moonrays, 2012. And you can find them at moon-rays.com. Uh, you could buy downloadable versions on Amazon like I did. Um, today we are going to talk about original versus remake as our feature. We're going to talk about the original 1978 Halloween versus the 2007 Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. To be more clear, the first one is called John Carpenter's Halloween. And the second one is Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Halloween <laughs> remake. That's right. The Reckoning. Not to be confused with Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's Halloween 2, the remake. <laughs> Jolian, you pointed something out to me about John Carpenter's John Carpenter's Halloween. And what was that little tidbit? Well, uh, as we speak... It is October 25th, so it is the 37th anniversary to the day of the original release. That's pretty exciting, because when you look at this thing, and I hope I would have noticed this on the printout here, yes, this is the release. What's more impressive than the fact that by dumb luck we stumbled upon the anniversary date is the budget for this thing was only $325,000. I thought you were going to say three hundred and twenty-five dollars. <laughs> well, if everyone's it willing, felt like it at times. <laughs> it didn't have Kickstarter back then. No. I'm sorry to say, but that uh, and the other wonderful factoid. I mean, we'll we'll get back into how much money this thing made. But Rotten Tomatoes rates this thing as ninety-four uh, percent fresh. Is that good? That's good. Okay. Yeah. It, there's rotten up to a certain point. I don't know if it's 50% or 25%. Oh, so it becomes fresh after 50 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah it, it doesn't ever become dope, but it does become fresh. <laughs> so um, real quick, a little, a little bit about um, who we are in case you jumped into the third episode and missed our first two. I'm Richard. I have uh, screenmonsters.com and countercouturedesign.com where I screen print stuff and sell it. And uh, Will is writing and illustrating a graphic novel about the Black Dahlia uh, with more historical accuracy than you've seen before on the subject. And Jolian, also an illustrator and comic artist who you may know from many magazine covers, DVD art, and the Lego Ninja Go comic book series. Um, Speaking of DVD art, uh, we just had a big birthday for Gamera, didn't we? Yes, uh, last weekend, I think August, Ragon hosted a uh, marathon uh, Gamerathon and uh, <laughs> showing them all in order, yeah, and uh, and some of the artwork I did for the DVD releases. In in brief, can you tell us what was unique about that artwork compared to other Gamera artwork? Uh, well, back in the sixties, the uh, Japanese magazines and uh, records had done um, anatomical drawings of uh, all the Gamera creatures, and uh, so they wanted to kind of recreate those for the uh, DVD releases. Um, and so uh, August asked me to do those. And uh, yeah, so I, I did the drawings and then uh, and, and we both uh, translated all the original uh, Japanese kanji uh, so that we knew what all the various stomach bits were. <laughs> what and, the different compartments. Um, 
uh, and uh, yeah, and then they they were going to put one in each booklet for the films. But uh, I think after the first two DVDs, they dropped the booklets and they just had them as special features. And I think mm. by the end of the releases, they dropped them all together. But uh, you can see them all of, at my website and uh, my Facebook pages. Super cool. I thought I thought it was brilliant because if you ever asked yourself the question, why can these things breathe fire? Mm-hmm. Well, it simply explained as uh, they have a coal sack. Yes. <laughs> their... yes. Gamera has a coal sack and a magma sack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How else are you going to make fire come out of your uranium mouth? sack? <laughs> I, I even stuck the because uh, he gets a little submarine inside him in one of the movies, and uh, so I, I put that. It's very small, hard to spot, but it's, yes, it's in one of his good. arteries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, what right. have you watched since last time? Let's start with you, Julian. Uh, so we've we've seen the Halloween one and Halloween one um, <laughs> as preparation for this. Um, I've also been watching a, uh, I watched a film called uh, No End, which is a Christoph Kislowski movie, and uh, a western called Renegade Ranger. Um, and I've been watching the Batman and Robin serial that's been on TCM the past few weeks. And uh, <laughs> The, the one old one. From 49? Yeah, yeah, 48, 49. And yeah, it's, uh, one of the good things I can say about it is it's less racist than the previous one <laughs> yeah now with less racism i really like how robin looks like he's about the same age as batman yes just a the man wonder instead of the yeah, boy wonder man wonder it's like they're roommates yeah I, I, one of the things i like about it is that, that there's no uh wayne mansion there's no batmobile it's just an ordinary house and, yeah and, and his, his regular mobile. car yeah nobody recognizes <laughs> that's bruce wayne's car yeah two two guys Busting, keep busting into the police station, and and you know, <clears throat> one of them is quite a bit shorter than the other. They're both and wearing they tights. They rush out, and then Batman and Robin turn up, and uh, they never, they never think, huh? And the acetylene torch is the bit I like when he pulls the acetylene torch oh, yeah. out of his belt <laughs> to cut through the vault door. Yeah, he's got some great ways, you know, because they have the cliffhangers at the end of each episode of these things, and. Uh, uh, the the lamest escapes ever. I I, I can remember in a serial. Uh, it's like a, he he's he's in the this burning harbor with Vicky Vale at one point. Yeah. And how do they escape? They climb out. <laughs> yes. They go up the ladder. You know. How is he going to stop the car crashing into rocks when when there's always smoke all over the road? He stops the car. Yes. Well, <laughs> when in doubt, <laughs> stop the car. Uh, uh, how do they escape from the gas-filled room? They walk out of the door. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. They've got doors in this gas-filled yeah. room? So, Man. Uh, it's, how how it's was the technology stuff. in 1949 for tights? Uh, were they baggy? Did they get diaper well, butt? Most of those old superhero costumes are based off circus performers anyway. So they're... Mm. Yeah, yeah, they don't look too bad look, in there. bad. Okay. You know, yeah. other than that Robin looks like he's about... <laughs> 40, 40. <laughs> I love fair it. enough <laughs> all right so will what have you watched since since uh, last time well other than halloween 78 and halloween <laughs> the remake i also watched halloween 6 starring a young uh paul steven rudd <laughs> uh, paul steven rudd yes ant-man mm-hmm. uh he plays i believe tommy doyle who's the little kid in the first film yeah uh it's garbage 
<laughs> I will just say right now, it is garbage. Will, tell us how you really feel about this movie. <laughs> I, I, there are large sections I just tuned it out. I couldn't handle it anymore. I was drawing just background noise to nothing. <laughs> it caught the end. So that's the last Donald Pleasance one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he died. Yeah, I he had the good sense to just die <laughs> afterward. Died during the filming. Oh, no, I don't man. know that that's <laughs> true, but that would be the movie killed him, is what I'm saying. Well, you know, if nothing else, character assassination. I would say that um, the smart thing to do would be to just get while it getting's good. I will say though that Halloween Four is worth a rewatch, mm-hmm. and we will. Um, talk about uh, how the young starlet of that movie appears in Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's <laughs> The Thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Halloween. He's not done The Thing yet. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> uh, the key word is yet. Yet. Yeah. Bunch what of, else? Bunch of white trash uh, at the Antarctic. I also watched <laughs> Night of the Living Dead and a movie, uh, Lizzie Borden with Christina Ricci. It was, hmm. I don't know. C plus, C was she, minus. Was she big enough to hold the axe? Or did they have a scaled down version of the axe for her? Well, it was a hatchet. And oh, I guess that's true. Her folks weren't expecting it. We, we were talking about doing Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're going to do it sometime, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to rush into it. But uh, there's been some rumors going around this week uh, about possible footage turning up. But it's, it's all yeah. like kind of secondhand reporting right now. Do you think it was lost footage, or do you think Romero was just sitting on this footage because it was so bad? Uh, well, the story is that it, uh, Martin Scorsese is working on a restoration and uh, turned up nine minutes of footage from the basement scene uh, with a zombie attack in it. But uh, this is according to someone reporting under an anonymity on George Romero making an announcement at a show. Mm. So uh, it's not come from directly from the horse's mouth yet, as far as I know. So what you just described was an ur- urban legend. <laughs> yeah, it could as be. far as we know. But it, you know, it's interesting. It'd be, it'd be, uh, I, I'd love for it to be true, and it might also mean that Romero gets copyright again, at least on the those nine minutes extended <laughs> edition. <laughs> it would be the one and only complete edition, and you'd have to buy it from him if you were going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. Right. I I think it's about time he he got. Well, he could get paid the same as any one of us if we wanted to produce DVDs. I mean, we any one of us could manufacture Night of the Living Dead DVDs and sell them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you, you know, our listeners could do it. Some of them may have. I don't know. Out of out of 10 listeners. <laughs> 10? No, wow, there's... we're into double figures. There's, no, there's been ten, yeah. tens of downloads. Um, okay. Well, ten well, of f- downloads. Three or four of them are me, are me because I have to re... You know, you can't just wind to a certain position. You have to listen to the whole thing again. Yes, that, that would be SoundCloud. I... One inherent defect is that there's no fast-forwarding. iTunes is more friendly to that. Um, anything else you've watched, Will? Uh, no, I think that's it this week. Mm. There's a couple I've watched that I won't even go into because I want to take a moment to um, to say I finally found uh, that MeTV, which is on our local cable, uh, does have the Svengoolie show. Yeah. Saturday nights. Right. Now, I looked for it months ago and didn't find it. I found it and uh, DVR'd that one. And uh, What was this week's movie? Dracula. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I got about um, 40 or so minutes into it and uh, 
was a bit tired, but um, I'm going to watch the rest of that tonight. It was really cool to see Sven Gulli, uh, son of Sven Gulli, in his incarnation that he's in, uh, having fun mm. with Dracula, but not disrespecting it. And that's uh, playing at uh, downtown tonight. They're showing the Lugosi one and the Spanish version. Oh, at, at the Esquire? At the pavilions. At the pavilions, cool, with the recliners. and This the... evening, so this is completely... Um, unhelpful information <laughs> right yes by the time this comes up if we have any local listeners uh here's what you missed <laughs> uh, will did you get to go see nosferatu or is that no the, that's wednesday that's a, this coming wednesday yeah what was last wednesday the Esquire? uh bride of frankenstein oh okay i did not go because we had just watched it yeah we all covered it <laughs> so you don't need to see it although again. i i imagine it was great on the big screen yeah now i did set aside a little uh, a little extra time for talking about detention of the dead which i bailed out on pretty early um it wasn't going to get any better that was pretty clear <laughs> uh this was something that was on the uh, on-demand stuff on our local cable and i thought you know what i heard some people say oh yeah yeah give it a look i put this thing on and i realized pretty much out of the gate that it uh i i don't know if it was a cash grab i don't know how much cash they could have grabbed off this thing but it seemed like it was made by people who didn't genuinely like horror and it did not have um, it didn't have respect for horror as a genre. So I just felt like uh, they were basically saying, hey, this thing that you filmmakers do is easy and we're going to do it. And hey, you dummies who watch this stuff, you're dumb and we're going to just give you this garbage to watch. And I felt like that was mean and I didn't want to watch any more of it. So I bailed after about 25 or 30 minutes of it. So don't waste your time. Um, I hope the people who made this thing, you know, can make infomercials or something instead of making insultingly bad horror movies. So um, that aside. Um, Does the detention in that mean prison or school? <laughs> school. Okay. Oh. Which, you know, you picture like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's breakfast club uh, with zombies. No, no, it's, it's, imagine Saved by the Bell with sub, even more subpar acting. There was a great wow. horror movie made by someone who, who mostly did infomercials, which was uh, Carnival of Souls. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. The best thing about infomercials is the, um, the stumbling, fumbling person who can't use a garden hose or. Uh, Make spaghetti without burning themselves. <laughs> right. That is the best part. We were going to talk uh, briefly about um, the way Christmas seems to be encroaching on our beloved Halloween more and more every year in the retail world. Have you, have you guys noticed that out in the, out in the uh, world shopping? I, I noticed in this country that, that, that from you know sometime in late July, it becomes this one long eating and uh, gift-giving festival <laughs> um, through to next May. And it's, then we take a nap. <laughs> a three-month nap. <laughs> Bears call it hibernation. Yeah. We call it summer. <laughs> no, it it seems like they're what they're trying to do is, is uh, a longer ramp up every year to Christmas. And so then they've pushed Halloween back. Because right. stores get it like the 1st of September, which is a little early. It is a little early. Yeah, I've noticed that for about four or five years now. Yeah. So... With that being the case, um, let's talk about past movies where horror invades Christmas. 
Jolyon, do you have a favourite? Well, Black Christmas, obviously, <laughs> which is uh, an influence on Halloween. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a really well done movie. I think uh, so. It's directed by Bob Clark, who's who did two of the very best Christmas movies ever, which are A Christmas Story and and Black Christmas. And Black oh, Christmas. Oh, okay. wow! I was going to say, is there another one? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, which is amazing if you think about. It. They're so diametrically opposed as far as what they offer. I mean, there's a little darkness to A Christmas Story for sure. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of levity to Black Christmas, is there? I'm well, there's the the whole uh, the prank phone calls at the police station. <laughs> well, yeah. Remember <laughs> John Saxon and his his naive uh, officer. Um, uh, yeah, and Margot Kidder gets off some good singers. Yeah, so there there's a little something in there. Yeah. Will do you uh, have? A... I like Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil. I don't Evil. know if anybody's seen yes. Christmas Evil. I don't think I've ever seen it. You have to watch Christmas Evil. It's a uh... A boy who catches his dad making out with his mom. His dad is dressed as Santa. And then that drives him insane. Didn't John Cougar Mellencamp do a song about this? I believe so. He works at a toy factory. They're going to close the toy factory. So he dresses up as Santa and runs around and kills all of two people. Mm -hmm. I won't ruin the ending, but... Yes, it's a fantastic <laughs> film. John Walters lo- loves that movie. Doesn't yeah, he? I don't see why he wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and another good one is uh, Tales from the Crypt. It has that uh, adaptation of the uh, horror. And that was to... both the show and the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I forget what what was the original title of that. Um, anyway, it's a, not... it's a very good adaptation of the yeah, story. Where there there's a madman who's escaped from an asylum. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's dressed as Santa Claus. Yes. I don't know if the radio has that or not. When they're when they're talking about be on the lookout, mm. I don't remember specifically. In the movie, it's Joan Collins, isn't it? Yes, it is. Woman. Yeah, she was pretty much. Um, I don't know if she was at the top of her game at the time, but she was still looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there will be spoilers in this podcast, so you know, kids, screw it up. <laughs> that's the <laughs> that's the moral of the story in Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> Kids ruin everything. Uh, okay. So what about, um, you have any other ones on your list as far as uh, horror coming to uh, Christmas? Well, the, uh, a lot of the adaptations of uh, Christmas Carol. Um, they, they do get scary. Ghost movies, yeah. And he's definitely confronting his mortality. And uh, Do you like Fonzie or Captain Picard better? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite is Alistair Sim. Okay. 1951. I'm yeah. not familiar with the Fonzie one. There's there's a version of A Christmas Carol where the Fonz plays uh, Ebenezer Scrooge. Wow. Yeah. It's worth a look. The, sure. Most of them are good. I can't think of any bad. I didn't yeah. I didn't see that recent CG animated one. Uh, no. Me neither. But uh, yeah, I feel like most of them are Scrooged. Right. Yeah. Mr. Yep. Magoo. <laughs> the Mr. Magoo one was pretty. Yeah. yeah pretty good. It was a really good one. animated one in the 70s as well. I forget who made it, but anyway. Nightmare Before Christmas is a very literal invasion of Christmas by Halloween. Um, when uh, Jack Skellington just finds the portal to Christmas Town or Christmas World and takes over. That's a that's pretty cool because, well, the animation's a lot of fun to watch. And mm-hmm. you've got the Danny Elfman um, 
a score and the Tim Burton sensibilities to all the characters. Oh, that one's a good watch for Halloween and for Christmas. My Thanksgiving viewing, though, this is totally a little off, the, off track, has always been Back to the Future. I don't know why I've chosen that, but I will watch especially one and two. I hear a lot of people go, oh, two is garbage. I don't like three. I like one and two. I could leave off the third one, but I'll, I will watch it anyway. Yeah. And we just got past... Uh, that's funny. Oh, I hardly noticed that. <laughs> hardly noticed that on Facebook. No? No. Not at no. all? No one mentioned it. I wasn't even aware of this movie called Back to the Future. <laughs> no. Did you all know that there's a new Star Wars coming out? Oh, I believe it's yeah. Star Wars 2. You mean... I'd not heard of this. You mean that movie from the 70s? Yeah. Evidently, they've finally made a sequel for that 38 years later. Well, it's With a, the original cast, I understand. It's about time. How's this Chewbacca gone gray yet? I believe so. He, <laughs> he has looks, a walker. He looks distinguished. Yeah. Is it an imperial walker? Really or is it bad. A... <laughs> Yoda looks suspiciously spry. I think he's had some Botox or something. It's not. They only had that one movie in the seventies. <clears throat> it's not CG at all. <laughs> and uh, we have a couple of Star Wars uh, connections. Uh, with Halloween yes well. do we? I, I believe so <laughs> well I <laughs> they were both shown in the theater uh, Lee Brackett uh, the screenwriter who uh, uh, one of the characters the sheriff is named after her oh, and she okay. did one of the early drafts of Empire Strikes Back oh that's cool <laughs> I was going to say um, I'm going to be selling my screen printed stuff at a horror con Halloween weekend and I have a Han shot first shot glass <laughs> That that's your connection that's my connection <laughs> folks uh, I tried to steer it away from Star Wars but oh, we're, we're swinging right back again right. yeah. it's, there's a there's <laughs> anyway a, it has a gravity that's undeniable back to uh, I don't know Go Halloween? Ahead. Yeah. Do we want to move on to Halloween? Let's talk about the um, the classic 1978 John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm -hmm. Now, this was released uh, October 25th, 1978. Uh, the cast starred Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Pleasance, Tony Moran, and many others. Directed by John Carpenter. Writers were John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. Um, the budget, like we said at the top of the show, $325,000. Domestic total gross, $47 million. Now, it made back plenty of money. I imagine whoever invested was quite happy with it as long as they got their money back. Um, interesting thing about this, and we're going to start before we get into like any notes or synopsis stuff. We're going to start by saying that all of these long tracking shots and these still shots where characters move through the scene look gorgeous. The cinematography is amazing. Uh, the film looks good, whether you believe all of the characters and their dialogue, the way it's written or the way it's acted. Uh, anyone can say objectively, this film looks pretty good um, and holds up well over many years. Now, this is not just because John Carpenter directed, but because... The cinematographer was Dean Kundi. Now, you're both familiar with Dean Kundi, aren't you? Mm -hmm. I don't know Dean Kundi. Julian? Yes, I, I, uh, I think he's one of the first um, cinematographers I recognize the work of. He's got that really distinctive way that headlights come towards you. Yes. And like the beams kind of 
there's like a split of light off to the sides of the beams. Right. I just love that for some reason. The way it filled the uh, anamorphic frame. I just I just loved how it looked. <clears throat> now, I mysteriously gathered a couple of hats <laughs> that I own. Um, and I think because Jolien does recognize the work of Dean Kundi, we're going to go with this nice fancy Heisenberg hat uh, from the um, Breaking Bad uh, lore. There was a hat that um, Brian Cranston's character wore that's this sort of black felt pork pie hat. I always wear them when I co-stars in Godzilla. Yeah, I fill this with some <laughs> titles of, of Dean Kundi's work. And then I've got this kind of beat up cloth pork pie hat that's not so awesome. That probably Ooh. cost me about 17 bucks. Um, I put some titles of Dean Kundi uh, work in this one as well. Uh, so Jolien, let's have you pick from the nice fancy hat. Okay. Pick a movie. Is this quiz going to be easier than the... Oh, it's uh, not a quiz. The questions about England feature. Oh, no, we're, we'll, we'll definitely have... <laughs> and Will's taking a movie title from the um, the crappy hat. Uh, Jolien, what do you have there? What have did Dean Kundi do? The Fog. Dean Kundi was a cinematographer on The Fog. Amazing. John Carpenter's The Fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. <laughs> Rob Zombie has not got his hands on it yet. Uh, who remade that? That was special. <clears throat> I don't uh, know. Did I, they remake that? Yes. yes. Regrettably really? so. The same way they remade Poltergeist. They remade Poltergeist? Yeah. Man, I am out of it. <laughs> I'm glad I did not know they made re- they remade Poltergeist. Will, you are really missing out. Uh, Will, what movie do you have? Black Shampoo. <laughs> Black Shampoo? Oh, yeah. You don't say. Have you seen it, Jolie? Yes. <laughs> not seen Black Shampoo. I know nothing about it. <laughs> well, um, it was probably around 1976, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's got a good chainsaw fight in that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a uh, shampoo movie starring Warren Beatty back in the 70s, and I mm-hmm. think this was a um, was it a black exploitation movie? Yes. Okay. So there we go. So we have a black exploitation movie called Black Shampoo, and we have The Fog. So it could be said Dean Kundi has a foot in two different worlds and doesn't mind. Let's let's grab I another. I one. like uh, black action movies. Yeah, nothing wrong with that That's at all. Um, Superfly, Shaft, a couple Any, of... Uh, anything with Pam Greer. Yeah, of course, which is probably about three quarters of the movies of the era. Here's another... Uh, it's done with the fog. Yes. All right, I've got Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Not also, familiar with that one. No, it's got lizards filmed up close to look like giant dinosaurs. What'd you get, Will? Roller Boogie. Roller Boogie! <laughs> Is that the Linda Blair one? I don't know. I, I could look know. it up on IMDb real quick. While I don't we're... know this film either. Uh, let's look up Roller Boogie. I happen to have uh, a device here that allows us to look things up. I think they predicted this in the Back to the Future trilogy. Well, let's see. Roller Boogie? <laughs> yes, they said there will be Roller Boogie. Let's see. Roller Boogie. Uh, we have Linda Blair, Jim Bray, and Beverly Garland. This was... 1979 so dean was like hey that halloween seemed like a pretty good movie so let's go make roller that's boogie a, that's a cast you know you'd, you'd tune in for whatever i i would totally watch this yeah, beverly garland and who else is in it uh no one you've heard of Blair. no well stony jackson is in it so uh you know stony jackson i believe that's the film he won an oscar for <laughs> yeah Julian, go what, ahead. What did Dean Cundy get the Oscar for? Was that Apollo 13? I believe it was Apollo 13. We could look that up. Escape from New York. Oh, yeah. Who did that one? 
<laughs> I believe it was Rob Zombie, <laughs> Rob Zombie doing John Carpenter's Escape from New York. <laughs> okay, Will, what'd you get? Uh, let's see here. I got Satan's Cheerleaders. Satan's Cheerleaders. Jolian, tell me you don't own the Criterion edition of that. They have not gotten to that one yet. <laughs> I've not seen uh, that one either. Dear uh, listeners, Jolian is not joking. <laughs> John Carradine is in that one, I believe. One of his later efforts from the 70s. Oh. I have not seen Satan's Cheerleaders. Can you believe that? No. I remember my grandfather had a, a butcher shop which became a butcher shop stroke video rental place. Those go together. <laughs> and they had a video cassette of Satan's cheerleaders in the window, which I was not old enough to uh, hire out. So. I have bad news. Dean Kundi has been nominated but hasn't won. Oh. He was nominated in 1989 for Best Cinematography for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. Also <clears throat> not familiar with that film. Which was released in the UK under the title... Roger Rabbit was framed by whom? <laughs> Not really. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the BAFTA Awards. Let's see. Uh, Dean was nominated as Best Cinematographer for Apollo 13. Okay. And he was nominated. He didn't win, but was nominated also for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. So we have that. Um, a few other awards, of course. He probably deserved a lot more than he got. Well, I mean, you know, all these... Uh, I mean, the 70s, you're talking about all the film school graduates. So you have lots of uh, directors and cinematographers who are working on, like, exploitation stuff who went on to, like, Oscar-winning efforts later. But, uh, you know, you know which films we love. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, you had Tak Fujimoto working on Death Race 2000 and... <laughs> You know, before he got the Oscar. You got to make your way. And that's the thing about film is sometimes you're going to work on things you don't want to work on or things that aren't going to be what you're known for. But you're working. You're doing what you love. That's that's what you should do. All right, Jolien, pick another one from the fancy hat. So these are the ones that you reckon are his good films. Well, They've you all know. They've been good so far. Well, that's the thing. Psycho 2. Psycho 2. Which might not have come into being were it not for Halloween. Which or was, Psycho 1. Which was uh, <laughs> heavily influenced by Psycho, of course. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, what'd you get, Will? DC Cap, starring Mr. T. Mr. T. A film I have seen, but I don't remember <laughs> oh, much no. about it. That's one for the Mind Eraser that's segment. Not, that's another one I've not seen. <laughs> I haven't seen it at all. DC Cab. I think I deliberately didn't see DC Cab. Yeah, um, may have been about six when i saw dc cab do you remember in psycho 2 there's a hitchcock cameo they managed to work one in there oh no, did they really yeah it's a pretty good movie it's been many yeah, it's many not years a bad movie. since i've seen it mm-hmm. i've seen the film but i don't remember yeah it's just his shadow oh nice let's pick another one because we're okay. almost at the end of we're, these we're, and then we could jump into the, the movie hat here the good hat john carpenter's the thing Oh. Is that John Carpenter's John Carpenter's The Thing? <laughs> or, or a replica thereof. The original thing was called The Thing from Another World? Yes, uh, at the time it, it came out, uh, it was intended to call it The Thing. Mm-hmm. But then there was this novelty hit song called The Thing. Of course there was. Which oh. came out so distinct to distinguish it. Uh, <laughs> they called it The Thing from Another World. That's anyway, too, that's Howard Hawks bad. is uh, yeah, so a, a major influence on Carpenter. 
Lots of the characters in, in Halloween are named after Hawks characters. And they show it in there, too. And I was going to say, yes. we're going to run into that because, yes. you know, if that's not a tip of the hat, what is? Go ahead, Will. What'd you get? Ilsa, harem keeper of the oil sheiks. Not seen that one. Really? Um, oh, dear. I can't believe it. Do you want, do you want to hear a, a brief <laughs> Only movie that's more popular than that is Star Wars. That was one of the, I think the original Wilson movie is one of the biggest box office hits that Canada's ever had. It was really? A, yeah. It was a pretty big hit <laughs> on the on the old drive-in circuit. The description in part says, Finding a new employer and looking not a day older since the end of World War II, Ilsa works for an Arab sheik who enjoys importing females to use as sex slaves. Hmm. Okay. So the original was filmed in the... Um, they built this set for this uh, prison camp comedy. Was it Hogan's Heroes or something? Oh, my God, really? Uh, so they just used that for the first Ilsa she will from oh, ECS. that's hilarious. Probably the same uniforms and things. Because <laughs> nothing I, I, says I'm comedy a... like a, <laughs> a bunch of Nazi <laughs> POW camp. <laughs> well, let's jump on into the uh, into the sort of a... Remake versus original? Original versus remake, remake versus original. Yeah, let, let's talk okay. about this thing. And, and you can, we have a comments thing on, on the SoundCloud page, I think. So if you've got any questions about England. Yeah, please. Ask away. <laughs> now, were this set in England, how would this have been different? English people be all like. They don't have <laughs> Halloween. Yes, uh, it, it just went out of fashion for centuries. They stopped doing it, so they kept it alive in Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a short swim to Ireland, right? And now they, uh, I don't know, they have some, I guess they have Halloween now there, yes. but it's basically yeah, it's American. Huge in, huge in Japan as well. Yeah. <clears throat> this would be a good opportunity to give a shout out to one of my Facebook friends, who I also follow on Instagram, uh, who goes by... Captain Tiffany Spaulding. And Tiffany tirelessly posts wonderful things about Halloween. She does She does live in England and uh, loves Halloween. And apparently, uh, from what I'm seeing from her pictures, it's easy to find stuff in the stores and enjoy the holiday like you would here. So mm-hmm. apparently it's yeah. catching on again. It's better yeah. than maybe we thought. Yeah, it seems pretty popular. So, you know. Well, thank, thanks largely to this movie. Right. I would say so. And uh, keep the faith, Tiffany. It's working. So let's jump in. Um, so we talked about Dean Kundi, who who does de- deserve respect. And, uh, and of no. course... Um, <laughs> a fellow named Ray Stella operating the uh, Panaglide. Those yes. Beautiful floating shots. It's, it's hard to get the shots any other way. You can't just stick a camera on a bicycle. And well, Maro Bava, because uh, he, he had even less money for his films. <laughs> and when he was doing like tracking shots, he'd have like a child's cart and they put the camera on that and put it across the floor. Yeah. You wouldn't know it. With a smooth floor and a steady hand, I imagine you could get some good shots. And that crazy uh, racing in uh, POV of the evil spirits in the Evil Dead movies, mm-hmm. um, they did basically by having two guys with some boards and rope with a camera running between them, just running across the forest. And it seemed like something you've never seen before. Yes, it's called the shaky cam. <laughs> yes, and it's gotten worse and worse. Uh, well, it, it's not like the, the thing you see in the found footage where, where it's shaking all over the place and it makes you ill, but they, they, called it, they called it the shaking cam where they mounted the camera 
in the middle of a board so that if they held it far enough away, it would be fairly steady when they ran with it. Oh, that makes sense. So um, let's talk about uh, the original 1978 Halloween, um, starting with the opening credits, which totally worth sitting through. Don't fast forward through these because you get this super slow pull into a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, when it gets just unbearably close to your face, uh, it cuts to this like a uh, black title card that says Haddonfield, Illinois, and then October 31st, 1963. Um, Haddonfield was uh, chosen as the fictitious town in Illinois, which strangely has some tropical plants in it, um, because um, Deborah Hill, who was the um, co-writer, co-producer, and girlfriend of John Carpenter, um, Deborah Hill was from Haddonfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who wondered, well, it's like Shermer, Illinois, in the... Uh, uh, the John Hughes movies, the fictitious town of Shermer, doesn't really exist. Haddonfield doesn't really exist in Illinois. But um, we get this uh, stocky, steady cam that goes from outside to inside the house. And I don't know if you guys noticed that really cool vintage tension pole lamp that was in the room. Yes, I admired that. Before we go on, I want to know, I mean, you explained uh, why it's Haddonfield, but right. why... Did they bother telling us it was Illinois? Because it was clearly not Illinois in October. (laughs) No. If you've ever been to Illinois, you would know. It was so clearly Los Angeles. Why name a town at all? That's useless information. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm going to really come down on Halloween. I hope it doesn't cost us listeners. I've seen this movie about three times in recent memory, and it gets worse every time I watch it. Really? Yes. <laughs> I forgive the um, the shortcomings. Well, I had no idea. So, I know I didn't see any tropical plants. And oh, I, I didn't it's know. just I, I had... the grass is green and the trees are green, and yeah, there's I, I, some I tropical trees, plants. But I, I didn't know that would be that would be weird. Oh, because I, I was only a kid when I finally saw it. See, so, yeah, it didn't bother me when I was a kid, but now that I've watched it, especially this last time, I was like, why did they bother telling us where it was? Mm-hmm. Because they had bags of fall leaves, and oh. it was it, it was uh, distracting enough to where most people did not notice. And then, of course, the more people talk about movies and you know go over them again, the more things like, oh, look, you can see the boom mic in this shot, or here's this That's thing. That's true. That kind of thing. And it's it's us going over the minutia of a movie, but I am very forgiving to Halloween mm-hmm. because I love it so much. Um, and I really had to kind of strain to find the edges of some palms or some tropical plants that, that were kind of hiding. But yeah, the first time you watch the movie... You're so into what the characters are doing that you don't notice that it's just fall leaves on the ground and the grass is green and the trees are green. Yeah, they had so few leaves there to keep sweeping them up and throwing oh, yeah. them out again. Yeah. Yeah. And they had, they had trouble finding pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs> and masks. And we'll get into the mask too. That's a fun yes. one. And, and one of the things, the opening scene, are we still talking about that? Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, it's like uh, one of the things that makes you sympathetic towards the women is the men are just such lousy lays. Like, <laughs> the, the point of view closes in the house and he sees them going upstairs. And then by the time he gets indoors, the boyfriend's coming back down the stairs. Yes. That's like 70 seconds of, of fun for that poor woman. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate, isn't it? <clears throat> so we've got the lamp stealing the scene. Um, 
then uh, upstairs, that tile totally had asbestos in it. I could tell by looking at it. <laughs> but then, holy boobs, who cares about the tile? And then that's ruined by all the stabbing. Um, then we see, uh, after the unfortunate stabbing done by a young boy, um, this scene that looks like the parents are posing for a picture with Michael in front of the house. Yes. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's kind of like a Gregory Crudson photo. It's all, they just stay still looking at this kid and you think, oh, yeah. these were never the most loving parents. <laughs> Take the damn knife from yeah. the kid for one thing, because clearly he shouldn't have it even in the most innocent of circumstances, but... Yeah, so they must have had quite a crane for that because it goes up and up. Yeah. Right. So we get black title cards again that say Smith's Grove, Illinois, which I assume also does not exist. I didn't find out where they picked that name. Uh, and then it cuts to another title that says October 30th, 1978. So we jumped forward in time. Um, even though we've jumped forward in time, the nurse in the car has an old-timey nurse hat, which apparently they wore those through the 80s and then... Nurses quit wearing them so much. So it's 15 years later, and Loomis, who, Dr. Loomis, who's not a trustworthy witness, but he says that Michael, in the initial incident, was six. Right. Which makes him 21. Right. Mm-hmm. In the movie, in the, in the present day, as it were. But then in the end credits, it says he's 23, which I hadn't noticed before. Right. Really? It says Michael Myers, age 23. Huh. And this was before any of the Back oh. to the Future movies, so we can't say that it's skewed off into a tangential uh, That's reality. That's right. I, I, I do remember that now. Yeah. Scene, the, uh... And there is a brief unmasking that happens in the movie later, and we'll talk about that too, because they did use a different actor for that. Well, there's tons. Like um, uh, like the, when you see the uh, little boy's hands in the first scene, that's Deborah Hill. Ah. Deborah Boy Hands Hill, as her friends used to call her. So, um, Dr. Loomis says, uh, he hasn't, should I do his voice? (laughs) No, Julian, you should do his voice. He says he hasn't spoken a word in 15 years. And we see the rabbit in red matches, which doesn't mean anything to us in the whole context of this, uh, movie at all. No, it does come up again. Yeah. It comes up again, but does it say as a strip joint? It doesn't matter. It just comes up to, you know, that. Yeah. It kind of implies that he's taken this matchbook from the nurse's right. car and put it in the pickup yeah. track for some reason but whatever place rabbit and red is doesn't mean anything to this story yeah. the no, matches no, the, no. yeah the matches do come back up later and i and i do have that in my notes as well which is pretty cool it's a little thing you may not notice and then it's a, is that a reference to anything no, it's, it's vaguely so. sinister well rob takes it and runs with it in the 2007 Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween. But uh, Loomis is following... Oh, it's the, it's the... Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so Loomis is following the law and just wants to put Michael away. Now, the gowned Michael Myers does this fantastic leap, which I'm surprised doesn't have more exposure of his undercarriage, <laughs> as he jumps <laughs> over the windshield and onto the roof of the car. Is that at which point he's Nick Castle? No. Oh, he could be. He's Nick Castle. I think yeah. he is Nick Castle at that, that point, yeah. Um, so he leaps over the hood and uh, over the windshield onto the roof. And we get this great like Casio keyboard sound effect as he does this and uh, takes the nurse out. Not my faulty memory said that he killed her. No, he, but he breaks didn't. the window and she jumps out the car and then he drives off. Yeah. He, he breaks the plate glass window. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually uh, the lady who played the nurse was one of my childhood friends, aunts. Wow. No kidding. And uh, I met her once, but 
we weren't allowed to watch Halloween at the time, so okay. it was. It, so it meant there, nothing. It the meant time. nothing really. But having seen it later, uh, for some reason, I conflated the first scene and the nurse. Somehow, I mashed those together until I'd seen it. Uh, I don't know. So you a thought, couple of years ago, you thought you saw her boobs. <laughs> no. <laughs> what happened is I mentioned, yeah, that was my friend's aunt. And they're like, oh, she's totally naked in that. And I was like, <laughs> right. no, she's not. She's a nurse. Doesn't she come home and her kid kills him? Kills her? But clearly, no. I made that all up, just like the mobster car, killer car movie I made up last week. I, you know, I thought about that. That might be from Kolshak, the Night Stalker series. Mm. That sounds like something they would do. We should look that up. Yeah, I thought. I thought later that it may have been an episode of Friday the Thirteenth the series, or yeah, something like that. Tales from the Dark Side, or monsters, or. Okay. So, holy crap! Michael Myers can drive. Yes. I'm glad they brought that up, though. I don't know how. Well, the, uh, Loomis says oh, someone must have taught him to drive. Someone, yeah. <laughs> he was doing a good job last night. <laughs> <Yes>. Someone <laughs> must have given her. One of you must have given him lessons, I think he says. Yeah. Um, the nurse is lucky to have lived. I put that in my notes because why would Michael Myers spare her, you know? I think she just got away. He wanted the car. Yeah. The car? The car. <laughs> he, he wanted wheels. <laughs> so... Haddonfield is the next title card we see, and then Halloween. So Laurie Strode strolls with uh, some nice camera work, and then I have in my notes, hey, is that a palm tree? So there is one visible in the background oh. as yep. she's strolling. Um, now this the, is with the Tommy kid, right? Um, I think he does join her on this yeah. walk. Now we get this this um, in, interior shot of the Myers house, the old rundown Myers house where the murder happened at the beginning of the movie. And this turns out to be a POV. It's like a Michael Myers shoulder cam because he's look, peering out the um, the door and watching them walk mm-hmm. by. We did we do have here in my notes about Michael Myers driving. He was doing a very he was doing very well last night. Maybe somebody around here gave him lessons. And of course, we're back to Laurie noticing Michael Myers cruising around in the swanky station wagon that he stole. The kids are uh, are teasing little Tommy. Uh, he's going to get you, he's going to get you, and boogeyman, boogeyman, they say this a bunch. Now, this is a reminder for anyone who thinks bullying or teasing is new. No, kids have always been assholes. Yep, just saying. Boogeyman has always been out there. Yeah, for many decades, in fact. Are kids still scared of the boogeyman? (laughs) You know, all they have to do is Google it on their iPhones and they'll know it's not real. The boogeyman is quaint now. Yes, it harkens back to a more innocent time. <laughs> so Loomis is now out in the sticks, uh, as we like to say. Is there a term for this in England? The uh, sticks. Like the boonies or something. The boonies, yeah. being out the boonies. Do they say that in England? I, don't, I can't think Stay of off the moors. <laughs> <laughs> so they're out in the moors. <laughs> clearly, outside Los Angeles. <laughs> Once again. Yeah, it's out by some reservoir or something. Yeah, right. there's some farms in the background. Uh, For the younger listeners, this thing, this box that uh, Loomis is in is called a phone booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's, so uh, apparently he's left his cell phone behind. There's, there's a, and a train comes by just at the right moment. It's really nice. And they, they can't have like ordered that train around. Right. Yeah. So they wouldn't have had the clouds. They had, they'd have to time his whole phone call and then have him out by the truck by the time the train comes by now 
I noticed that too, and I, I do wonder if if they if they timed that, like they they figured they could time it, or if it just was a lucky accident. Mm. So the um, the truck says Phelps Garage, twenty four hour towing. There's a matchbook uh, from Rabbit and Red, so that's how we can make the connection that this truck wasn't just you know something that occurred and happened to be abandoned. There's a corpse in the weeds, by the way, but uh, so there's the matchbook. And the truck was the catering truck for the movie. Was it really? <laughs> that I did not know. The Phelps Garage truck. because yeah, everyone in this film was doing like four or five jobs. You know? Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to wash things and carry things. And that's about the only bit of blood you see. I mean, there's very little blood. Yeah, all, there's very like, little blood. The guy in the grass, I think there's most blood you see at any one time. And it's yeah. a very brief shot. Mm-hmm. So uh, we cut back to the girls who are going to be the, the babysitters. What was this movie almost called? The Babysitter Murders. The Babysitter Murders. Yeah. So Erwin uh, Irving, uh, Irving was uh, he came up with the idea. Of, uh, he, he, like a carpenter and Hill writing the script and they're calling it The Babysitter Murders. And uh, uh, he, he thought, oh, let, let's set it on one night. And then, oh, how about Halloween? And then he was just amazed that there was no other film that used Halloween in the title. Exactly. That, that was surprising. I remember hearing that and thinking, how did nobody in all the schlocky movies that they made in the 50s and 60s that were just cash grabs, how did no one ever name a movie Halloween before? Because Halloween had been big in America since the 20s, 30s. Yeah. It was I huge think in the it was 20s. because it was, it was more of a kid's holiday. I don't think people really associated it so much with horror movies. There was there was something in the 1920s when um, Ouija boards became very popular, all these sort of parlor tricks and mysticism and whatnot. You know, think of Harry Houdini's day. That's when um, Halloween really was popular in the U.S. Uh, and and cashed in on, commercialized. You know, the the decorations from Beastel, which are still made today, uh, they had early versions of their stuff, and and they sold well. They sold widely. And all you have to do is Google it and you'll find many, many pictures of 1920s and 30s Halloween parties where college students, adults, um, children alike are all celebrating and in costume. Mm. Really creepy creepy. looking (laughs) costumes. Like the the stuff they do today is pale in comparison yeah, to the glory it's all stuff. off the shelf you know it may yeah, also be back in uh, the day it was all you had to make it at home yeah it may also be that uh until like psycho i don't know what would you set like a giant monster or an alien from space on halloween it doesn't <laughs> necessarily tie right you don't really have uh any sort of a slasher uh, who's sort of invincible? You don't have any any of that in in the mindset of people. Yeah, until um, like Westworld and right. Um, yeah, that that didn't really exist as you know the unstoppable killer. Right. So with with that being said, um, it's all about teenagers and children uh, in the foreground of this movie. So we've got. Lori Strode, who is, um, to bring Psycho back into it, this is uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the daughter of Janet Lee, who is the murder victim in Psycho. So mom's a scream queen, the daughter's a scream queen, yes. before they even had the term scream queen. <laughs> and it's kind of amazing if you think about it, that uh, 
that it worked so well. This movie could have gone nowhere. It could have been bad, but it wasn't. It was good. Yeah, and she got to carry the movie as her first feature film. Very handily, too. Yeah. As a young actress. She's really good. She, she could have done a terrible job and didn't. Now, PJ Souls, on the other hand, is literally... <laughs> not literally. She's chewing the scenery totally between puffs of her cigarette. We get a lot of totalies out of her, don't we? Was she Anne or the other one? Um, she was Linda. Linda, Linda spelled with Blonde. a Y. So do you do you like their performances? <sighs> wow, man! As the naysayer of our group, <laughs> uh, wow, their performances are okay. Uh, it mostly really got me with <laughs> the dumb <laughs> setting of Illinois. Okay. I don't know why that stuck with <laughs> that me. Just sticks with you. I also found that there were a lot of musical stings that were for no reason. You mean I like mean, the leaping it over the windshield snake? No. No? No, it was, they're walking across the street, and there's like nothing going on, and there's a sting. Are they faking us out, do you think? <sighs> yeah, but there's nothing going on. I could see if it was, you know, when he, when Anne goes back to check out the Michael behind the hedge. Right. I could see a fake out there, you know, <clears throat> sting. But... She's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is crossing the street, and there's like <laughs> no nothing need, going on. No need for the orchestral strike. I don't remember. It was very movie. odd. I also uh, <laughs> the DVD I watched. I recorded from somebody. Uh, and I'm not watched it in quite a while. Uh, the sound became further and further out of sync as I watched the film. I don't know how a DVD does that. <laughs> I wonder, I, I think I would have noticed that. I wonder if that was... Because I thought at the very beginning, you know, it was fine. Yeah, it, it is just my copy, but I don't know why that would have happened. Uh, and at some point they're walking, the girls are walking, I was like, is this dubbed? Because mm. the voices sounded odd, and then I realized, oh, no, they're off just like... a. Split second, but by the end of the movie, it was off about two seconds. So I don't know how the audio hmm. gets messed up that way on a DVD. But I, I, I really like them. Uh, it's one, one of the things I, I miss is horror movies with people you like, you care about. Like, uh, you know, not, not just Jamie Lee Curtis as the classic final girl, but they're, they're all likable and you don't want things bad things to happen to them well if we were to look at um the girls as a group you know we know we know that somebody's somebody's going to be offered up for sacrifice here yeah now this is probably one of the first movies where you could say oh there's some morality thing uh did we see that in black christmas uh i don't think there's a deliberate morality thing to it is just that uh uh, one of them is more nervous about life in general. She's always looking out for things and she's noticing things because she's, you know, um, she's not so sure of herself. And uh, and the other two are wrapped up in, you know, they've, they've got their relationships going and they've got their own concerns. Uh, so they, they don't see these things going on, and you know. And they are more reckless. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they're playing teenagers it's because then... Lori was stoned. She was terribly <laughs> paranoid. <laughs> yeah, she does have that one. They do get stoned ride. in the car, and yeah. she looks 
to like, the sounds of Blue Oyster Cult. I yeah. have a note on that here too. Um, so I, I don't think there's like a morality thing, you know, if if you sin by having a boyfriend or something, then you, you must die, you know. I don't, I don't think that's deliberate. I think it's just a matter of them being vulnerable. That's what teenagers do. Yeah. <laughs> Newsflash. Teenagers want to alter their consciousness and have sex. Duh. So PJ Soul's character is, is uh, seeing a lot of totalies between puffs of her cigarette. She runs on this list of books she doesn't need. Um, you know, her chemistry book, her math book, this book, that book, the other book. And this car speeds by and she screams, hey, jerk, speed kills. And Michael Myers locks up the brakes. Now, this is another in a long line of, of uh, villains and slashers uh, taking exception to uh, being insulted. <laughs> oh, we're talking about the car again. Aren't we? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and other things, too. But again, beautiful fixed shots and tracking shots as we go on. Um, another palm tree hiding after the hedge scene, mm-hmm. which contained apparently a puff of cigarette smoke from John, John Carpenter. Carpenter yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, that's something you can go back and watch for. Um, eh, you know, we could just assume it's fog, right? I mean, the, the fog. fog. <laughs> Rob Zombie's the fog. Uh, so, you know, I have a note here. Uh, I think Officer Brackett's kind of perving on Laurie a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah. <laughs> he just knows it, doesn't he? Maybe yeah, he knows Oh, they her. know her, but he comes across a little creepy yeah, in that scene. Do uh, so? I don't believe it was creepy originally, but I think now it takes on this uh, sort of sense there's of like... There's like two adult figures. on the, You see others, but there's basically yeah, two adults and the, the rest leave. Right. Yeah. Everybody just kind of splits or gets killed. Um, I have a note here. Damn, these kids are trick-or-treating early. I know that some places, you know, you want to get the little kids out and done with before it gets too dark. Yeah, they definitely do in my neighborhood. Yeah. But, you know, other other kids don't want to go out till after dark. And, of course, some of them may be up to no good. Um, now, well, it appeared that she got out of school at about 10 a.m. Yeah, it kind of looked that way. Because <laughs> at 5, the sun is way high in the sky again. Not Illinois, not the fall. But I think that, that, that school scene is another Hitchcock uh, nod because she's she's in that class, she's in the back corner, mm-hmm. and you hear this this sleepy voice of the teacher. And but every time she says "fate," is it's emphasized. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that scene in uh, was it Blackmail where they they have there's this kind of mumbling conversation, mm-hmm. but every time they say "knife," yeah. <laughs> Read, read, read. Um, so there's a downy fresh Michael Myers hiding in the uh, clothesline, which um, he uh, kind of is an apparition, and then he's uh, gone. He just kind of disappears from that shot, and uh, and we see uh, Laurie's using a, a landline, which is kind of interesting. And uh, why wouldn't she? There were no cell phones then. Yeah, we're not even any cordless phones. Yeah, that. Speaking of phones, I just butt dialed, put my phone away. <laughs> I was looking for something on IMDb on my phone, so hopefully I don't get a call back right away. From um, IMDb. Yeah, the, the good people at IMDb called to uh, to uh, correct you on cor- some correct things. Will for saying this wasn't a good movie. Yes, it was in fact Anne who yelled at his car. So, yes. So Laurie is toting the second largest pumpkin in all of Haddonfield, uh, California. Uh, and she stops on this pillar and sort of sits down for a moment, probably to rest. 
And uh, her friend now has a car in the bright sun of the uh, Illinois afternoon in October. Uh, and we go to the creepy cemetery man who, who's kind of like the horror movie harbinger. And he's talking, you know, a bunch of harbinger stuff. Now we know that the tombstone for Judith Myers is missing. And who do they blame it on? The damn kids. The, the damn kids. kids. Yep. <laughs> no. that's, that's like, uh, the whole film plays on that. It's like, uh, you know, everyone else thinks it's pranks until it's too late. Right. And you'd think after a certain point they would catch on, but... I well, this... well why, why would they until, you know, <laughs> until he's he actually goes to town in the last half hour, you know? I guess that's true. I felt the same way about the car. Come on, can't they figure out it's a possessed car driving around <laughs> killing people? You'd naturally jump to that conclusion. That's the first thing I always think of. <laughs> so my, my next... Where's one... my mail? <laughs> Ghost got it. <laughs> so I have a note here. This is to be read in a Matthew McConaughey voice. Living life, man. Driving and smoking weed and listening to Blue Oyster Cult. Mm. Just doesn't get that better than that. 1978 to that a is, T. That is. Yeah. Driving around, smoking weed, listening to BOC. There's a there's a weird cut there where Laurie and Anne are driving in the car and they're driving away from the camera and they cut to a car pulling up and uh it's now a, a an Audi or a Beamer or something, <laughs> I don't remember. And the doctor Loomis and the cop are It's a Beamer, I believe. Yeah, Dr. Loomis, is it the cop with him? I don't know who's with him. When they're at the hardware store? Yeah, they get out. Yeah, they go to the hardware store, yeah. Mm. and But watching it this last time, that cut struck me as like, it seems jarring that you see Lori and, and Anne in the car, and then suddenly they turn into a, their car turns into a, a Beamer. <laughs> right. I feel like they they blame kids the same way I blame crackheads for everything. I mean, yeah, based on my neighborhood, it's not surprising, I suppose. But they blame the store breaking on kids. It's those kids again. That store had quite the alarm too. It did. You know, in nobody a, turned it off in a small Illinois town. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's that part of that nostalgic feel of the the film that this town is so placid and normal yeah and, and then you think uh well this is the 70s so you think of all the uh the killers who are running around and like the the jim jones massacre just happened and uh like this cop is at a hardware store with it someone stolen a rope and a knife yes and he's like oh it's just kids yeah <laughs> stuff kids usually yeah. steal right <laughs> Nothing's ropes and knives some penny candies yeah. some machetes a bunch of duct tape guns <laughs> now we're with Loomis and the sheriff for a moment, but we're back to the girls driving and the theme kicks in finally. You know, you get the Halloween theme. And this is something John Carpenter nailed so well. It's iconic. It, it holds up well today. Rob Zombie used every bit, you know, every, every bit of it and uh, to great effect in the remake. Um, now, the shadows on the old <laughs> on the old Myers house. I bet you, you two didn't notice this. Looks like it says tit. <laughs> no, okay. did not notice that. Oh, I'm ashamed. I'm well, ashamed. you should have seen it, but it looks like just a big word "tit" written across it. I don't know if that was intentional. I assume it wasn't. I'll show you. We'll go freeze frame it. But it, I swear to you, it says "tit." 
Um, well, if I was 13 now, I'd, I'd take you up on that right now. Yeah. Well, I'm still 13 in my head, so <laughs> there it is. So apparently that house was owned by a church, and that was, like, really run down. And then, so when they did the, st- the steady cam shot, they had to paint it. They had to repaint certain parts of it up so that they could do the, the 1963 scene. Oh, on the right, last, yeah. You know, that's one of the last things they shot. So they got a paint job out of the deal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. <laughs> and someone graffitied the word tit. Uh, so uh, Michael Myers kills a dog, and that's just over the line for me. Don't kill dogs. Well, you don't movies. see it. I think you see it, you see a dead dog in one of the later Halloweens. Is it? Four? You see, uh, well, there's a dead fox or coyote or something, and Rob Zombie's John Carpenter's yeah. Halloween the remake. <laughs> you don't actually see it in the they, they first say, one. They no, say, you don't see it, and they say something. The dog's barking, and then you see like the feet go lifeless. Like what he no, does to Bob later. He, that's, when, that's later. When he kills the dog across the street. Anne's dog. Yeah. Or Lindsay's dog, actually. I wonder why I have this in my notes. I think maybe the dog just goes silent and we assume he killed the dog. I don't know. No, the, uh, the sheriff and Dr. Loomis mm-hmm. go in the old Myers house. And then they look down towards the floor. And, and they you don't it. see it. And they, and then, see. And they say, oh, oh he, he got hungry. Something like that. Yeah. And later on, when Anne is being stalked around the house, although she doesn't know it, she hears the dog go outside and she's annoyed at the dog. He's named Lester. Something anyway, like that. Anyway, he's been barking at her. So she's like calling out the little girl to go and shut this dog up. And then, then you see the dog run outside and bark at someone and you see Michael's legs. And he and he he's picking up the dog and you see the dog's legs right still that's the part i'm thinking of yeah yeah then we get the thing a nice foreshadowing to john carpenter properly remaking the thing um and we see um tommy doyle and i think he's dressed as luke skywalker at first but Mm -hmm. he's not he's he's named after someone in rear window is it well Uh, i'm not sure that sounds about he's named named after hitchcock right yeah that would make sense yeah, I tried to figure out, was he dressed as Luke Skywalker? Nope, just happens to have no, Luke just, Skywalker just, hair. Just isn't kind of... Because he's got like a, yeah, an astronaut suit on, but he has a belt with a right. laser gun and what looks like a lightsaber. I wonder if they did it on purpose, I don't know. I, I like uh, when um, uh, Laurie's looking at his uh, comic book collection, she comes up with all these great titles. Yes. <laughs> Later there, Howard, Howard the Duck laying on the couch. Yeah. It's, it's the only one I could actually make out. Yeah, I think one of them is Godzilla. Oh, okay. But yeah, she's like Neutron Man, Tarantula Man. I, I Things ending in man. Yeah, well, I want to read uh, Tarantula Man. <laughs> Me too. So we we, uh, we see Annie, who's, um, who's babysitting uh, young Lindsay. Uh, this woman can't operate a door to a laundry room, and uh, the little girl... Lindsay rescues her. And, of course, you know, uh, Linda's, I'm sorry, Annie is being a horn dog and scheming, you know, making phone calls and scheming how she's going to go have sex later. And she's also lining up Laurie with uh, with the boy she fancies. The the fabled Ben Tramer. Yes. Yes, Ben, ben Tramer. I think we should start a band and call it the Ben Tramers. Experience. The Ben Tramer experience. <laughs> Not getting shown in a movie... Except for Halloween 2, where you just have a mask on and get hit by a car and burst into flames immediately. Um, now, she's scheming at every turn, trying to put this thing together, and then gets murdered in a car. Oh. Yeah, well, that's, that's what you get. I like um, to. 
No, nope. yeah. she's funny. Now, was Lindsay her little sister, or was no. that just a babysitter? It was a babysitter situation, and she oh, okay. she's pawned her off to Laurie Strode across. Because Lindsay across looks the way. like she's gotten into the quaaludes, and I wondered if that was not a babysitting <laughs> technique you used in yeah. the '70s. Yeah, it totally was. Here, just drug him up, and they have a great TV night though. It's like they do the thing oh. Forbidden Planet. That's yeah. a good night. You know, even it's like not a living dead in the sequel, isn't it? Yeah, now, I think so. Now, Tommy's being a little butthole uh, throughout the movie, of course, but at this moment, he's being a butthole while he spots Michael Myers moving the body. Right. And um, Loomis sees the kids sneaking up in the Myers house and scares them off. There's some like trick or treaters or mischievous Halloween kids. And he like fakes them out from the bushes. Um, then this is the part I just been dying to get to bob and the magnificent van he's got this custom painted oh, the, 70s mystery mobile <laughs> yeah it's like a, but it, it was this thing in in the u.s in the 70s where they would put like a lot of times a frank frazetta mural or right a big ass right on the side of the van right on the van it'll man. be lined with carpet yep that's what I wondered. Why Why did they... Uh, they had the van. Why did they need the house to have sex? <laughs> well, yeah. It's the kinkiness of using someone else's parents' bedroom. I guess so. <laughs> In the remake, it really stands out because they have a van, but then they break into a abandoned house to have sex. Right, a really dirty like, abandoned house. You have a van. That's right. why you have a van. The remake, they, they pick the worst places to have sex. They do. <laughs> Look, oh, let's use uh, Michael Myers' room. Yes, that was a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, apart, apart from the completely unethical behavior. <laughs> well, you know... We'll, we'll get to that later, I suppose. The thing is... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Linda. Linda is is not very sharp. You know, she wants nothing to do with her school book. She's saying totally and smoking cigarettes a lot. We get the idea that she's a bit of an airhead. Um, and then we meet Bob... He's as dumb as she is. So they're going to go have dumb-dumb sex in this house. And, and he's terrible in bed, too. Next to a jack-o'-lantern. And I, yeah, I have a note here, gone in 30 seconds. Yeah. And off to, you know. She says he's fantastic. Now, but... they're sitting in the van. And he says something like, I'm going to tear your clothes off. And she gets mad and says, no, stupid, it's expensive. <laughs> and then she go, he goes, and then I'm going to tear my clothes off. And I swear to God, he then says, and then we're going to tear Lindsay's clothes off. <laughs> And he was supposed to say some other name. But he's with Linda, so I don't know right. who he was thinking of, but I I imagine he really does say Linda, but it sounds like he says Lindsay, and I just wonder, who are these babysitters? They're perverts. No wonder they're being <laughs> murdered. Well, <laughs> so you work up quite a thirst with your 30 seconds of sex and, you know, subsequent cigarette. Bob is off to get a shitty canned beer, and... Uh, Instead, gets strangled, as you will, you know. Oh, he gets nailed to the. Yeah, I thought he, got, he gets strangled yeah. and then stabbed into the wall. Oh, so yeah. it's not enough the the choking him out, but pinning him to the wall. That's that, what happens. That's the. Uh, that's. Uh, I think that's the creepiest bit. The ghost Bob that Michael Myers does. Like when, uh, like Nick Castle stands back and he uh, kind of cocks his head like a dog. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you realize that he's not just. Uh, an unthinking machine he's got an aesthetic mm. he's got a way of doing things he's creating his art yeah you could say that's it's, it's true an art form too. it's like the art of the kill yeah and he, he he could take all these people much sooner than he actually does 
but he's got a certain ritual to it. And he figures out that he can play it off that he's Bob if he just puts a sheet over his head and Bob's glasses. Well, Bob's that, that, giant googly glasses. That's something that, that plays differently, at least it did in England, because especially in the 70s, there were these comedians, Morecambe and Wise. Like, mm-hmm. You've heard of them, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, and he'd used to put things over his, his head and, and wear glasses over the top oh, of really? it as a gag. And you know, he did that a few times. Oh, that's good. Um, so that kind of, that played kind of differently when I was a kid. People oh. would laugh. It, on it is it is funny and creepy at the same time. Yeah, I think that's the creepiest part of the movie. Mm. So Ghost Bob enters the room where we have uh, Linda waiting, and uh, she is demanding her shitty beer from him, and uh, he's standing there looking at her, and she gets annoyed and insults him a bit, and. Uh, so we get to see uh, some nudity here in this movie. And uh, I'm sorry, I have Annie d- demands her beer. Why don't no. I? S- that, that's the wrong name. My notes aren't even accurate. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> Linda demands her beer and gets strangled instead. Oh. Yes, with the phone. With the phone oh, cord. Oh, that's right. Bob went up to get beer, got strangled instead. She demands beer, gets strangled instead. Like detour. <laughs> We get our first close-up of Michael Myers looking like William Shatner. And Will, tell us why. They used a William Shatner mask. <laughs> Spray-painted white. Why would they do a thing like that? Uh, They're in Hollywood. They had to get something off the shelf because they spent about $320, I believe you said, on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and most of that went to weed and beer. It cost a dollar ninety-five to buy a Captain Kirk mask. And, yeah. And uh, so they, they just... Uh, made it whiter i think it's tommy lee wallace bought it and then we just made it whiter and enlarged the eyes oh okay the eye apertures but uh i think the script called for a mask that looked almost human but mm. yeah i had heard that idea. they tried a clown mask mm. and a gorilla mask at one point <laughs> can you imagine and neither neither of them were, were they the gorilla mask was just wrong. Yeah, this was, is what I understand. That looked like a bank robber. And the movie. clown was too cliched even then. Would this affect the longevity of the movie? Would it? I wondered. I was wondering that last night. If he had a gorilla mask painted white, I think it might be pretty creepy. It would be creepy, but would the movie... But with gorilla masks and like masks of presidents, I expect him to rub a bank. Yes. That would make sense. But, uh, yeah, but Shatner. Who knew they even had a Shatner mask? Well, that was um, something you could buy out of the back of, like, Starlog magazine. So, so was that a Don Post? It was a Don Post Studios. They had Spock and Kirk. You could buy those for whatever they cost back then, which would be the equivalent of probably 20 or 30 bucks in today's bucks. <clears throat> but um, Loomis, back to the story, Loomis is standing sentinel when he spots the station wagon, the Michael Myers mobile, mm-hmm. which I think the window's not broken anymore. Uh, but he's on to him. He knows Michael Myers is on the lurk. And um, Laurie is checking out the house, which is spooky and dark, and finally finds Annie dead on the bed with the Judith Myers tombstone and the jack-o'-lantern burning nearby. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she turns and gets the jack-in-the-box effect from two more bodies. Yes, the, the door springs open, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we... yeah and uh, Bob's hanging 
upside down. Yep. We got the inverted and bob. And then Linda looked like she was stuffed into the like dumbwaiter. It looked like a dumbwaiter. I thought the I same thing. I was trying to figure out what... I figure it was a laundry chute. It was either a laundry chute or, a, but, or an uh, additional linen closet or something. Yeah, so, it was an odd so little... Where there's the upside down man who swings that's into the, view. That's the one. Is that Bob who... That's Bob. That's not the fellow who gets killed in the kitchen, is it? Or, yeah. Or is it she's Annie's taken him. Boyfriend who's turned up. Oh I no, know. I don't remember. I thought it was Bob, but maybe it okay. was Annie's boyfriend. Who turned oh, that's right. That would be Annie's boyfriend. I don't remember. Hmm. Because you see him pretty quickly. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly Jamie Lee Curtis reacting. Yeah, we get we get um, Laurie's reaction to the the bodies popping up and dropping out of closets and whatnot. And then, uh, and there's suddenly Michael Myers behind her, attempted stab. Yeah, he comes out of the shadow. Yeah, yeah. it's a great reveal. Yeah, they they just turned up the the lighting gradually on his face. It was uh, it was very nice. effective. And, yeah, and this attempted stab is a fail. Lori gets on her attempt to leave is trapped by a rake, uh, and this is one of the things people like to point out that there was glass missing. From previous takes, there was one pane of glass missing, and then when uh, she breaks the glass, it's all cleaned out of the frame when you do see her escape uh, out the door. Well, yeah. That's I mean, nitpicking. You can tell that as this glass that's different to the rest of the panes it's built to break, because it, right. it's taking the light differently. What they call sugar glass. In any event, you know, this is just nitpicking when people say, oh, you, you see this and then you don't see it. Um, yeah. Doesn't matter. She escapes. She barely escapes, screaming and... No one wants to help her because she seems crazy running down the street. It's um, another prank. Little butthole Tommy won't answer the door. Michael Myers is closing in fast. And then uh, Lori is finally in the door. The phone is cut. It's not working. Again, we get a Michael Myers uh, missed stab opportunity. Hits the couch instead. And she gets him in the neck with a knitting needle. Yes. Pretty cool. Doesn't even slow him down though i think he just pulls well it no out. he he, he, he pulls down. out and he falls down lays has a lie down as they say <laughs> behind the couch for a little bit <laughs> is that what they say in england <laughs> or are you saying that's what they say uh, in new mexico that's what they say in illinois <laughs> let's have a lie down well, he, he kind of he uh he kind of charges up throughout the movie it's like he's he's just starting out you know he's, he's mm-hmm. 21 he's you know it's his first rampage yeah he's yeah. got he's got a bunch more to come He's still working things so, out. So, you know, he gets he gets stabbed with a little needle and he lays down and yeah. you know, he's working up to getting shot. So then Lori's just going to have a have a sit down. She just sits back on that couch. Yeah, next, she next to like, the big stab hole. Jamie Curtis like uh uh she kind of regrets how how those scenes play because at, at two points she puts down the knife. Yeah. She has him right there and then she just drops the knife. Cuz she's and she tries to play that she's disgusted with holding a knife, which is fair enough. But the audience is going, get him, get him. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to where Loomis alerts the officer. He, he, It looks like he's either ready to draw his gun or he's playing pocket pool. Do you use that term in England? Pocket pool? <laughs> uh, well, pool wasn't that popular when I was a kid. I mean, it's caught on now, but... Okay. Pocket billiards anyway. So he he's fumbling around in his pocket. Uh and we're not sure if he's going to get his gun or what's going on. And uh, we cut back to Lori comforting the kids, but she's getting crept on. Uh, yeah, she she doesn't run away from her responsibility. No, she doesn't. She she's she's a good babysitter. 
She oh. earned those two popsicles. She did. And that $5 that <laughs> night. Well, um, they gave her Jiffy Pop, I'm sure. Nick Castle was being paid like $25 a, a day yeah. for playing The Shape. Yeah, that was probably <laughs> decent money through. in its time. Well. Um, so finally, she hides in this sturdy um, closet made of pine lattice. Yeah. Yes, with no clothes in it. He, yeah, and he had the hardest time getting through that door. <laughs> um, I'm not quite sure why. Well, but we different times. The scene is fun until she pulls out a coat hanger and sticks him in the eye. <laughs> finally, wire point, hang- it stops being fun. <laughs> wire hangers are finally good for something. Yes, but she she thinks to do that. And yeah. She does it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she thinks. She and then thinks she on gets the knife really well. again, mm-hmm. doesn't she? Yes, yeah, so because he drops she uses the knife. One, one hanger, she un- gets untwisted mm-hmm. without cutting her own fingers off, which is better than what I do. And she wraps it around the door handles, and then, oh, she, okay, she, yes. then she unties another one to get him in the eye. Oh, okay. You, you got to admit, she's really thinking on her feet here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now yeah. she's she's got him again. She's thinking, got him good this time. He's hit the ground. She comes out of the closet, not literally. She, she's, yes, no, literally, yes. <laughs> yeah. not figuratively, but literally comes out of the closet, and uh, she's looking relieved. And this is my favorite shot out of the whole mm. movie, uh, is we see Michael Myers lying on the ground, lying on the floor in the in the background, and then he sits up. He sits up, sits up, you know, straight. You know, he's working just, his abs, just bolt yeah. upright, yeah. and then his head turns. Yeah, it's great. That's a good scene, and. Uh, you know, this is this is something where it couldn't have been done better. And I don't know how many takes it took, but he then stands up and moves closer and grabs and struggles with Laurie. And we do get a little glimpse of his face. Now, it looks deformed when, you know, it's either the weirdest sourpuss expression or maybe his face is deformed. Yeah, I didn't kind think... Kind of got a heavy eyelid. Yeah, I didn't think he looked deformed. I thought he look uh like one of his eyes had been poked out Mm. but you only see his face for he looked like some young guy well i have uh, a note that i found on imdb that says um actually all they saw was the ordinary face of actor tony moran playing Mm. the role perfectly normal except for the small knife wound inflicted by laurie in their struggle so on so forth um it's just the expression he was making with his face Okay. Having yeah. a mask pulled off of it. So it was not intentional, but it played that way. Like, like there's some injury or defect or something happening with his face. We get this sudden entry with Loomis and his gun. Six shots. Michael Myers somehow clears the railing, which looks very different in Halloween too, I will say. Um, and falls to the ground. And we get the line about the boogeyman. Michael Myers is gone. Yep. From the ground. And then we get several still shots. And then we get breathing. We get the tit shadows of the Myers house again. And these great orange credits on black. So uh, the line, I believe, Laurie says, was that the boogeyman? And um, Loomis says, as a matter of fact, it was. So that's the end of a a really good movie, uh, in some people's opinion. Yes. (laughs) So is that the only thing you really object to, the location? I think so. I think I was being unduly hard on the movie. <laughs> so I, does, I still like the does movie. Does it scare you at all? No. Uh, 
I don't think I've been scared by a mm-hmm. scary movie other than maybe jump, uh, you know, scene where something jumps out at you. Mm-hmm. That might startle me, but I don't think I've really been scared by a film. Um, I will admit I didn't want to go camping after watching The Blair Witch Project. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't affect me, not even a little. And uh, the ring was a little creepy. How about you, Richard? Does it actually scare you? That movie in particular? The Halloween. No, it. I'm very comfortable with it. It's like, it's something I can totally watch by myself. I'll tell you something that does creep me out. The Eye, the original, mm. The Eye. Uh, that movie's creepy. Um, I think that was Korean, isn't it? Do you, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a Korean Rose. film. Mm. Um I watched that while I was sitting alone, waiting to be the designated driver when I didn't want to go bar hopping. I was just waiting at home for a phone call, and then I was going to go drive some drunk people home. And I went, oh, here's something on IFC. And the eye sounds good. I watched it. It creeped me out, and I'm not easily creeped out. That one creeped me out. Halloween just feels like like a comfortable pair of shoes or something. It, it's How about you? Uh, no, there's definitely some creepy bits in it. There's some creepy bits, but I wouldn't... Uh, I, I kind of like the world. I wanted to live in that world. I like the women. Yeah. Uh, I like the look of the town. What you see of it looks very nice. Everyone seems to know each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a kind of nostalgia to it. There's, there's kind of a Stephen King thing going on with the I can kind see of 50s that. nostalgia with horror erupting in it and... Uh, and, uh, and if you could last more than uh, 60 seconds in bed, then you would be yeah, like the yeah. sex god of Haddonfield. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, as, as, as I said before, the, the, uh, the whole Halloween thing, the, the, the parties, the fancy dress and stuff looked really fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was into Ray Bradbury and, you know, Halloween Tree was one of my favorite books. And so I wanted to do that. Uh, I wanted to have a night where there was, there was movies like that on TV all night. <laughs> uh, babysitting didn't look like something I wanted to do. No, no. That looked kind of strange. No, you, I... you know, you, you give some teenager charge of your children. Yeah. And what teenager agrees to this on Halloween night? <laughs> yeah. I would not have gone near that assignment for double the pay, whatever that pay was. Yeah, they got time and a half. And we're going to roll to a stop right there for this week. That is part one of our original versus remake, Halloween. Next week, we'll be back to talk about the Rob Zombie Halloween and see how it stacks up. In the meantime, enjoy your Halloween. And please remember, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes is the best way to help us find new listeners and be seen. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Happy Halloween!